the crux of my work though was when I realized that no, you can't do any of it unless you're calm. Mm. Like unless we learn how to manage our own emotions and our own thoughts and manage our mind, you can have all the best tools in the world, but you won't be able to remember to do them. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. What's the lesson? Jill and Mary here. Hi. We are thrilled to have a very special person on our podcast today. We actually met, Darlene, I'm trying to remember where we met. Was it through a podcast, a podcast? platform yeah. that I randomly signed up for because they targeted me on social media? Um, and I don't think I've actually <laughs> been on works. it. It what? does. It totally does. Well, honestly, and I I have not been on it since. I think you were my one message request. Yes. And here we are, like six months later. So shoot your shot, kids, oh. regardless of what platform it's on, because you never know where the relationship could lead. Because honestly, Darlene, we are working with an individual that I think you referred our way. Oh, so I yeah, yeah, I don't think we told you about that. So we'll get into it on the show. But yeah, you you just never know where connections could come from, and I think it's cool to put ourselves out there in that way. Yeah, um, we're big advocates around just slide into those DMs or say yes to that that meeting because you never know what's to come. And we've been developing this friendship with Darlene over the last I don't know six months, maybe even a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and it's been very cool to see someone else do similar work somewhere else in the country. So Darlene, you are a parenting coach. Um, You help moms find joy in motherhood and be more calm. And you've developed this calm mama process and you practice what you preach, which we are like, yes, (laughs) we love to hear it. So Darlene Childress, welcome to the show, the podcast. We're excited to have this very awesome conversation with you today. Well, thank you, Jill and Mary. It's so nice to be with you guys. And um, yeah, I love learning about other people's work and how we help parents and families and moms. And I love what you guys are doing and really kind of highlighting that teen experience, particularly for teen girls, just how we don't we don't need them to hate themselves and then recover from their adolescence like they could learn to love themselves now. And, <laughs> like it's a hangover, right? Like yeah. It's an adolescent <laughs> hangover. Right. Like, oh my God, I have to recover from my teens all throughout your entire 20s or whatever. Mm. And, and I find that so funny because 
Do you guys recall anybody ever telling you several times in my case that high school was the best like four years of your life? Like this is going to be awesome. Best four years ever. Almost as if it was all downhill. Almost putting, well, from... almost putting a lot of pressure of like, oh, God, I got to make the memories. And if it and if it didn't end up that way, you're kind of like, well, man, what else has this life thing got to offer me? Because if those were supposed to be the best four years. Right. And you're in the middle of adolescence. And so how can that be the the best like ever? Because you're growing so much, learning about yourself, not really all that self-actualized, like to say this is the best it's ever going to be. And it's this tumultuous time where you're learning and growing and discovering. I don't. I don't know if that's the right messaging. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't either. Hear that. Yes. Yeah, no, I I've, I've been very confused about that ever since cuz I'm like I'm 34 and I feel like I'm just really getting to know who I am, what my strengths are, how to use them appropriately and you know, that's very far removed from those best 4 years where <laughs> those were difficult. Like you just said, you're you're really like a baby giraffe on ice in high school. You're you're trying to figure out who you are, what you like, who you like. I mean, bouncing around from friendship groups. It's it's a trying time for yeah. boys and girls, really. Yeah. Yes. I have this idea that I talk about sometimes like about adolescence and I think about it like imagine a bag full of little balls, like those balls, like that you jump into at, you know, a ball pit, like those, you know, little plastic balls and you have Mm -hmm. a bag full of them. And though each of those balls represents like a thought or a belief that you've received from your parents, your teachers, kind of your self-concept, but it's not actually yours. It's like what you've been given Mm. of your thoughts and feelings and beliefs about yourself. And they're in this bag. And then you get to middle school like sixth, seventh grade. And it's as if you got thrown into a swimming pool with your bag mm-hmm. and the bag becomes untied while you're in the swimming pool. And all those little pieces of self-concept, like I'm a good student. I'm really funny. I'm a good athlete. People like me. If you have a lot of positive self-concepts or I'm not very smart. I'm a troublemaker. I'm a bad kid, right? It could be a mixed bag full of kind of mixed (laughs) concepts, you get dumped in the swimming pool and all those balls float out. And then you spend adolescence swimming around the pool, picking Mm -hmm. up those concepts of yourself and deciding, is this me? Am I the good student? Am I the bad student? Am I, you know, the, the good girl or am I the mean girl? Like all these ideas. And then you're putting them back into the bag while swimming around in a swimming pool. Yeah. And that's what I think adolescence is just this time where you're creating your self-concept for yourself, your beliefs about you, who you are. You have this inheritance of thoughts from your parents, your teachers, your aunts, your uncles, your siblings, but they're not, they're not yours yet. Mm-hmm. It's right. like that second decade is when you're building up that concept of who you are. And it's, it's really a messy time. Well, I love that you said the word concept. I don't think I've ever heard Mm. it articulated that way. But when I think of a concept, like if I'm coming up with a concept with Mary around a workshop or it's almost like we're brainstorming ideas of like what we want it to look like, how we want it to feel, what we want it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we get to make it our own. 
And it's a concept until it's like, then you put action behind it and then it's a proof of concept. And it's cool to see that like, you're right. When you are in adolescence, kids are just trying on different ways of being to figure out like, is this really me or should I put it back in my bag and try again? Yes, exactly. Yeah, maybe my head's above water. Maybe it's below water. I don't really know what's happening here. Yeah, and I think for parents, it can be really helpful to think about this idea of the swimming pool being kind of this adolescence period of time, because what we have been used to is swimming alongside with our kids and like putting the balls in the bag and like telling Mm -hmm. them who they are. For them, yeah. For them, yes. And when, when you're the parent of an adolescent, really you're on the pool deck and you're watching your kid pick up pieces of themselves and identities and trying them on and putting them there in their bag. And you're over there screaming like, don't pick up that one. <laughs> not like, the red one. Oh like, God, put that one back. Yeah, no, you're not, a, you're not a bad, like whatever the negative ones we don't yeah. want them to think. Or maybe we're, we, they try on a concept like my son is really, a, he's a skater right now. It's a big part of his identity. He's 16. And there are parts of that skate culture that work great. And there's parts of the skate culture that you know, inform his identity in ways that make me nervous as a parent. Mm -hmm. But so I'm like, really, I want to jump in that pool and take that one and be like, let's, let's just, don't take that one. Don't put that one in your bag, but we can. You've got the pool net skimming. (laughs) I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. But then I also think the heart, other part of this metaphor that is more, is also challenging is that your child is not the only one in the swimming pool. And it's not only their balls that are floating around. It's all the other kids mm. and what they've been told about themselves and their mm-hmm. thoughts and their feelings. And we're just watching our kids float around. And fight. That's such an impressionable age mm-hmm. too. So it's like, ooh, I like that ball that you're holding. Can we trade? I, mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's this constant flow of, like we said, it. We like to liken it to either trying on clothes or the different hats, right? I'm sure we've all heard those, but it's like in the dressing room when you get 60 items to try on, you're like, ooh, I think that looks cute. And then you put it on and it's really not cute at all, right? Or you're putting everything on at the same time. You you then become what everyone else, like you said, has – really spoken into existence for you and you keep that on until you're 25, 30 years old to where you're finally like, wow, I live in Arizona and it's hot. Why am I wearing 72 layers? <laughs> I got to take these bad boys right. off. Yeah. Or you get to our age, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I like this one shirt. I'm going to get it in four colors. Totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I So I don't even need to try on a bunch of things anymore because I already know what looks good and what I like and who I Mm -hmm. am and what what resonates. But I was thinking about that idea of like going to a shop and getting so many different looks, like, you know, almost like you're going to a costume party or something. That's sort of what is available to the adolescent age. They're just like, I could be anybody. Right. They can, they get to be. And that is as a parent, that's very scary. Um, We love to tell our parents that it's as hard as this concept is, that it's got to be a little bit more objective. You can't be so subjective because your your role in their life 
18 years feels like a long time in the moment when you say it, it's like, well, you got them for 18 years. And it's like, it goes by in the blink of an eye. That's 18 Christmases, right? That's 18 birthdays. And realistically, yes, you get them for a lot longer than that, but in a different capacity. So speaking of that, will you tell us a little bit more about how you got into being a parent coach? Yeah. Becoming? Becoming, of course. You know, our origin stories are always so interesting and usually it's because of a struggle, you know, mm-hmm. like my program is called Calm Mama Coaching and I teach the Calm Mama process. So obviously I was not a Calm Mama. Otherwise I would not have needed to create any of these ideas or like right. find my way. The way that I came into this work was because I was finding myself absolutely like enraged by my four-year-old's behavior. And it's you too. This, yeah. Wait, <laughs> this, what? Me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's this is my 10 year business anniversary right now. Oh, and congratulations. I know. I've been doing this for 10 years. So I've done like a pretty deep dive into like where what where I started and what I've been learning and and I found all these old journals and it's just like I was just so shocked by my own anger with my kid. Mm -hmm. And I I always say like, I didn't hit him, but I wanted to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. Are are you in my head? Resonate, resonate, Uh resonate. I've had those thoughts too. Yeah. And, And then I had this little person who was really coming from a lot of fear and anxiety. I didn't understand that then. And so he was really hypervigilant, which looked like aggression. And so when he wasn't feeling safe, when he wasn't feeling um, comfortable in his skin or in his environment, he would become aggressive and lash out and, you know, we got in trouble with school and friends. And then I thought that something was wrong with me as a parent. And I'm not okay. And then that would actually like uh, create more insecurity in me. And then that would create more rage. And it was just this cycle. And So right around that time, I decided to start getting parenting help and parenting support. And as I got help, I found that I was, you know, doing a lot differently as a parent. And the philosophy that I gravitated towards was nonviolent parenting or compassionate parenting. And I really wanted to show up with like understanding feelings, drive behavior, and that my child is behaving that way however, because of his own insecurity, emotions, anxiety, fear, worry, whatever he had going on. And I had a, I had the concept, but I had no tools or skills of how to actually be the parent that I wanted to be. And, you know, also whenever he would make a mistake, like, or be silly or his brother or throw popcorn on the ground or, you know, whatever, say stupid mommy, all the things. I had no idea what to do about it. I just be like, oh, mm-hmm. you're feeling sad. You're saying stupid mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which didn't would, get you very far, did it? I mean, it would be nice for him and I, and we had a good relationship. But then I was like, but now what? Like, what do you, what do I do to teach him not to do that? Mm-hmm. And so finding limits and, you know, a concept that I, I teach, which is around restitution so that kids understand the impact of their behavior and fix it. So through all of that journey, I started teaching parenting classes and t- 
teaching nonviolent parenting, teaching parents how to set limits, things like that. And the crux of my work, though, was when I realized that no, you can't do any of it unless you're calm. Like, unless we learn how to manage our own emotions and our own thoughts and manage our mind, you can have all the best tools in the world, but you won't be able to remember to do them. Right. To be activated. You'll be so. reactionary. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And so that's kind of why my work is about the mother or the father, like us and our mindset about being calm so that we can be connected with our kids, help them with their feelings and do limits and have correction when necessary. Mm -hmm. So that's that whole calm mama process. But I came to it because of my own struggle with those things, being calm, knowing how to connect with my kid through compassion knowing how to set limits and knowing how to do consequences without shame, pain, timeouts and takeaways. Like I wanted to do it differently. Yeah. Did you see, I'm curious through your journey, how was the relationship then with you putting this into practice with your kiddos? Did yeah. you see, you know, what, what was kind of the result of you practicing this, this method or this process? Well, I think what is amazing is that when I, started to approach my child with a compassionate lens, even though I wasn't very good at it, it was really clunky, but mm -hmm. I would approach him by understanding that he wasn't like a sociopath. I literally found a journal <laughs> entry recently and it does say about my four-year-old, I think, I don't want to say his name, but I was like, I think my son is a sociopath. That yeah, is so dad. funny. No, I have had, and I'm not kidding, I probably have a dozen mom friends that we've had similar conversations where I'm like, I thought it was just me where you look at your kid and you're like, is he possessed? Like what's wrong with this child? Yeah. So when we're in that space and we're like judging the behavior mm -hmm. and we're making them wrong or making us wrong or wanting to figure out how to change it right away. Like, you know, this, like we got to punish this kid or we got to do something, you know, I, I would come on either I call it over or under parenting, like I'd over parent him, like be too tough, be too strong, mm. be too intense and or under parent and like, be like, well, I don't know. I guess you're just going to hit people. Neither. <laughs> yeah, guess. But neither really were effective because mm -hmm. what he needed was for me to understand that he was trying his best and that he had a bunch of junk inside and he did not know what to do with it. Yeah. Mm. Because he was a human being. Right. Yeah. And not like a perfect child that was like that you bought from a store and pulled out of a box. You know, yeah. it's like sometimes we do have these unrealistic expectations of our kids. And when they do mess up or when they do make mistakes, we often forget like we as adults would want the same grace and forgiveness and understanding well, from others. And we've done it a thousand times. I think the age old example here is getting in our car do you check your mirror anymore do you adjust the seats like no it's so second nature for mm -hmm. us to do now that the expectation that our kids do it is so ingrained in us that we just place that expectation directly on them to be able to you know wade through their feelings figure it out express themselves mm -hmm. in a way that's healthy be able to use communication skills that we understand and it's like that expectation is so backwards so your example of like 
under over parenting. Mm -hmm. Jill and I went through um, a life skills training to facilitate life skills within middle school and high school. And they referred to whether you were doing the training correctly or not as fidelity. So it showed statistically that if you were out of fidelity with the training, it was still like 40% effective. But if you were infidelity and you were like nailing it, then prevention wise, statistically, it showed that it was like 75% effective. And I think that's important to notate because we often make ourselves wrong a lot of the time because we're not quote unquote nailing it, right? But obviously you're not going to be an expert in something you just tried on. You were at least giving it your best to understand what was wrong, get to the root of the problem rather than continuing to try to put a Band-Aid on it in such a way where you're like, you know, it's fine if he hits little Jimmy. I don't like little Jimmy anyway, whatever, right? <laughs> Jimmy like, deserves it. You're, you're, you, you wanted to figure out what exactly was wrong and you kept going despite, I'm sure, some pitfalls. I'm sure some nights you probably looked at your husband and you were like, man, I'm the idiot. Like, yeah. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's pretty counterculture to not do what I call that behavior first model and approach children from a feelings first model and behavior second. And so much of society and parenting is focused on behavior first, like address that behavior, fix that behavior, correct that behavior, make them wrong, show them. And to for, for me to reframe myself to understand, like, I'm going to look at the feelings first and the behavior second. I'm going to understand feelings, drive behavior and try to help to name that emotion and then give my son a new strategy to communicate or cope with it. But when you are in the middle of that process, <laughs> he does, they are still having behavior mm-hmm. and, you know, teachers and other moms and your in-laws and, you know, people who don't understand what you're doing are like, your kid is out of control, super naughty, <laughs> super bad. Mm-hmm. They're and those bleacher seat people. Yeah. <laughs> they love to buy a ticket to the show and throw their popcorn. Uh-huh. <laughs> they have all exactly. the things to say about it. And so really un- like being able to have confidence, like, no, I am going to deal with the behavior. We're not permissive. We are going to address how this behavior affects other people, but we're going to do that second. We're going to first understand, help the child and understand where that behavior was coming from and narrating and naming that emotion. Mm-hmm. And so when I started doing that right away, my son's behavior changed. Like it, what I had been doing when I was focused on trying to like get him to stop was creating more negative emotion because I was, you know, half using fear. And then like half using bribes and manipulation and just kind of like half-assing all of the traditional parenting strategies because right. I didn't really want to do that. I didn't know what else to do. And so I, he would just feel more and more the emotion that he was feeling that whatever was creating the problem in the first place, I was creating more of that emotion. And when I started to stop, take a look, what the heck could be going on here and naming it. He was like, oh, it just like he relaxed into that safe connection between us. And then we could problem solve together. I love I love that you used that example. I 
I know for myself, I'm constantly in the practice of being a better parent, but that comes with me having tools and strategies myself versus how I was raised. So I think for you too, through your own journey and discovery process, it was like, oh my gosh, I need to teach my son differently because probably how you were raised, you know, and no, and no shame on how anyone was raised. Everybody is doing their best. But now it's like, okay, how do we address, how do we teach our kids how to name their feelings? And Mary and I do this all the time with the girls that we work with. When we ask them how they're feeling, they have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Or they say a thought. I'm fine. People say, I feel like no one likes me. Mm. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. Too. Oh, that's a thought, honey. Yeah. A hundred percent. No one likes me. And when you're thinking that, how do you feel? Right. Sad. Right. Lonely. Exactly. Disconnected. Yeah. Like, we don't have a great emotional vocabulary as a society. Mm -hmm. Correct. And that is when a lot why I work with moms and not kids is because I want to help the mother or the parent learn to name their own emotions. So they're like growing their emotional well-being like tenfold. And as they get feel better and know how to manage their emotions, then they're like, oh, this kid, that sadness. I, yeah, I, I, started, I see it. I see it. Look, oh, honey, look, he's sad. Yes. Sad. Like, oh, oh God. I can sad is that? that. Oh, as opposed to me approaching him with anger and frustration, hang on. Like, I, I think I need to approach it in a totally different way. Mm, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, we had Mark Brackett, Mark Brackett on, on our podcast. Yeah. I was just thinking that yeah. uh, last week. And I mean, talk about the guy who knows everything about every emotion this side of the Mississippi. He's the director of emotional intelligence at Harvard. So he was at we, Yale. Oh, sorry. Yale. Sorry, Mark. Hope you're not listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it was we were on our like best behavior because really trying to understand our emotions in front of a person who you probably feel like is analyzing your emotions every second of the conversation. Yeah. It's like, how am I feeling? Check in with myself. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So um, one of the ways I teach this idea to parents is like thinking about all the different ways that we talk about water, like bodies of water. You have like alpine lake and swamp and ocean and sea. Creek. And yeah. creek and river and canal, you know, ice. Puddle. Yeah. What'd you say? I said ice. <laughs> ice. Yeah. Like a, like a frozen over, like a tundra like a or frozen, whatever. Yeah. And so we have all these names. I mean, that's just, it's an insane amount of names for bodies of water. That's and interesting. They all, in it, when we say them, you immediately picture what they're like and you mm -hmm. have an image of it and also an emotion like alpine lake versus swamp creates a little different feeling inside. Right. And in your mind and your body or whatever, you're like, ooh, breathe easy in an alpine lake. And then swamp, you're like, ooh. Feeling a little swampy. A little slimy. Yeah, yeah. So I think about emotion and how it's so vast, like in that way of the bodies of water. And when we help kids name them, and we say, you know, that weird, funny feeling you have inside your body, that's called anger or that feeling you have in your tummy, that's called nervousness or that feeling you have in your head, that's called confusion. And 
it's so much easier to cope with an emotion when you know what it is mm -hmm. and to move it through your body when you have articulated it and when you're able to talk about it. And so there's so much value in it. And I think about like healing this next generation in advance. Mm, yeah. What I, what my like mission yeah. is. I love it's, it. It's like when they, when the kids that you work with, the, the teens and people that I, you know, parents that I work with, their kids are in their twenties and thirties. They won't need to figure it all out. Like mm -hmm. and reheal and reparent hopefully they can say oh no i know who i am and i know what yeah. this feeling is and, and this is what i want to pass on to my kids mm -hmm. yeah and mark was talking about being a, an emotional scientist mm -hmm. so how when you are a scientist you're curious you're discovering you're all of these things so it is very similar to naming the bodies of water it's like my goodness how do you become your own emotional scientist to have the, the vocabulary, like you said, to really be able to have a, a powerful conversation so that people know how to support you. Yeah. A, a lot of your examples have to do with water. <laughs> Apparently, pools. We, we've got the swimming pool. <laughs> we've got the tundra. Yes, we, yeah, we've got the swamp. I like totally. that. <laughs> I love it too. Hey, maybe uh, look at us. We're making, we're, we're coming up with your next, you know, your next class, your next example, your next, my your next, next class analogy. is going to be called water coaching. You're like water co coaching with yes. water or something. In, like, the in the flow. In the flow. Yeah. Flow. Like that. Um, okay. So I, I just want to go back so our listeners can kind of, um, kind of create a framework for themselves. So yeah. parents to not freak out about misbehavior, you identify the feeling first. Oh, okay. Wait, actually that's like, the next step of connection. So the okay. first part from parents is to really look at what you're making that behavior mean. Okay. So so that's on you. That's like holding up the mirror for you. So it's that self-awareness piece to be like, hey, mm -hmm. little Johnny's being a, a whatever, he's being a terrorist right now and really aggressive <laughs> with his toys. And mm -hmm. But it's ha noticing like, hang on, like this is a moment for me to really make what what am I making meaning out of this? Or what does this mean? Yeah. Well, it's like, I love like Mark Brackett's work and my work about emotional coaching and emotional scientists, and all of that. And I was going to say the thing is, but the block though is us. It's our, as the parents, like we, we can't show up in compassion and connection with our kids if we're not actually doing that with ourselves. And right. yes your child's behavior is going to bring up emotion in you. It just is. It's yeah. a circumstance in your life. Like a human hit another human and like you're kind of responsible for one of those humans. So you're going to like, <laughs> yeah, you know, or the emergency bill with the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, you know, we look at our kids and we look at their behavior and if we're making it mean something about us, mm. our worth, like, are am I a good mom? And if I use my kids' behavior as a as a measurement of whether I'm doing a good job or not, that is, I'm setting myself up for a lot of heartache and a lot of disaster. Like, I, it, I think it, they call that being stuck up a creek without a paddle. If we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep going with the, the yeah, horses, oh, the, the horse. Horse. Oh, we are, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, look at you. I, I can always count on Mary for the dad jokes, you know, like the 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 perfect timely, you know, analogies and jokes. It's so good. That was perfect. Yes. Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it's so, like, yeah, when we're looking at our kids and we're making like, you know, especially the parents who you work with and the kid, you know, they have teenagers and there's a lot of behavior with teenagers that it's like some of it is really out of bounds like in what we think of as typical and if you're looking at our kids behavior and we're making it mean that we're not doing a good job we're going to show up not with compassion mm-hmm. for them right we're going to need them to fix it so that we feel better right mm-hmm. yes but so then what so how do we stop doing that yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're on the edge of our seat oh, here. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm like, oh, totally. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. I think that's where I go back to that concept of like their emotion is what is creating this behavior. Their emotions are just this, this feeling, this, this thought that is coming through their body. And that is not a problem. It doesn't mean anything about us necessarily. It, they could have emotion about us that isn't resolved or, you know, right. resolved. And so that is one of the mindset shifts that I help parents get to, which is looking at our children's behavior. And instead of making it about us, we make it about them. Like what mm-hmm. is going on with them? So it's not even that complicated of like, you have to do 17 steps of journaling prompts to get there. It's like, it can just be like, I don't like this. I'm making this mean something about me, but it's not about me. It's about them. And then you go into curiosity mm-hmm. and that scientist view. I, I, I yeah. think of it as, as curiosity and asking the question, what feeling is driving this behavior? Mm. Okay. And what feeling is driving this behavior? Mm-hmm. Just asking yourself that question when you look like I have teenagers right now that are struggling and going through stuff. And man, do I want to make it about me? Like, oh, I really screwed up and I failed. And like, what did I do wrong? And I, you know, I'm doing like revisionist history on my parenting. It's like, oh, none of that. And that's so bad because I come from, I love my mother so much. And she, does that now. I'm 34 years old. And I would like to say that I have overcome, you know, my own terrible terrorist type behavior. You know, I've learned from a lot of my mistakes. And I would like to say that I'm pretty successful now in just knowing who I am, you know, encompassing success in like a holistic manner. I'm fairly emotionally intelligent. I think I can regulate pretty well. But even still, like conversations that we have today, she'll go back and say, I did this wrong. Like I wasn't there enough. I, 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 and I'm like, mom, you are going to go to the grave feeling guilty about the job you did parenting. And that's not fair to you. I want you to know, and I want you to feel, and I want you to see that your kids are okay. Yeah. And And also it's not fair to you. Right. Like Mm -hmm. this is really like when we do that, we're still making it about us. And it's like, I just constantly say to my clients, like, it's not our children's job to manage our emotions. 
it's not our children's job to make us feel better. It's not our kid's job to perform in such a way that mm-hmm. then we feel good. Right. And it's like, you know, even with adult children, if I'm revisiting my parenting and I'm looking at you and I'm saying, hey, I did such a bad job. Well, really, it is my job to say, and, and I forgive myself or I did my best or like offer the self-compassion that I'm looking for instead of looking to my child to give it to me, even to if validate they're an adult. That. To validate it. Right. Yeah, totally. And really, we want to be able to validate other people's experiences out of compassion for them. So the conversation could look very different. Like, what was it like for you when I wasn't available? I would imagine that was scary. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that was lonely. And then right. you can have an actual dialogue that brings re- healing and restoration. As um, opposed to it going from like zero to 100 on the emotion scale, because we're just constantly now flooding our memory bank with all the places we think we messed up. And it's yeah. like, okay, I mean, I'm going to need you to take a deep breath now, mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's where as parents, we can resolve through our emotions before we connect with our kids. It's like, I think of it as it as like getting clean. Like I need to be real clean inside. So it, even now, like literally before this podcast, I'm looking at grades and I'm like, oh my God, what is going on with these people? Mm-hmm. And like I have <laughs> I have emotion about it. Totally. Like, you're right? like school's letting out. They cannot fail this semester. Yeah, like there's, there's some sort left. of arbitrary deadline that everyone determined we have to have all the learning happen before mm-hmm. June 9th. Otherwise, F. Like, right. literally nowhere else in life is it like that. Like, God, we preach amen. that so much. Yeah, I could go. We could just do a podcast on we, We'll have to revisit that. I <laughs> mean, seriously, we were at an event on Saturday night and we came home and we were just having like a fireside chat. And it was like, you know, we're constantly like revising things, right? Like they came out with a car and the car crashed. So they thought, you know, maybe we should put seatbelts in this thing or maybe some airbags, some side mirrors. Who knows? Let's make this better. I feel like school is the one thing we have not really like asked questions about or revised. We've just kind of gone with the flow. Are there different kinds of schools, private, charter? Yes, but the way information is disseminated is very similar to the way it was disseminated a hundred years ago. And it's like, well, like we also, I don't know, we should tell the teachers and the schools like that. We have the internet now. Yeah. What's that? I know. Right. Like yeah. there's all the answers are floating like around out there on the computer. Right. Like that is on, in our fingertips. Like, and we'll like very soon be like a microchip in our brain. Uh, so very soon. Yeah. 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 I mean, Absolutely. weird, but also coming. Sign of the so. times. I've always <laughs> said we're going to be the Jetsons. <laughs> we already are. We're literally having a conversation it's on the pretty wild. that we right. little thought was insane. Uh-huh. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, our I was... listeners aren't able to see us, but. Not live. Who knows? Maybe we'll pop this out for the world to see. (laughs) I was um, watching something the other day and the facilitator was talking about like if he could write a letter to himself, what would he say when he was a teenager? And it was like, don't worry about your handwriting. We're not going to do much of that later (laughs) in life. Like kids these days have no idea the hand cramps that we suffered from writing 10-page papers and pages. And also like copying things when now we have a printer. Like, you know, I mean, I'm older than you girls and it's like, 
there wasn't computers and printers. Like we had to like do a draft and then go in and redo the whole thing in pen. Right. You're like, that just sounds so not efficient. How, you know, thank goodness for someone to be like, I don't know. I think there's a better way to do this. That's (laughs) funny. Um, As we wrap up, will you give us the quick and dirty of ways in which you work with parents, mamas? Yeah. Yeah. So I work privately one-on-one in my Calm Mama coaching program. It tends to be pretty like full, so I don't have a lot of openings. But if you're into one, like you can book a call with me and we can talk about it. And then I have a group program and it's called Calm Mama Club. It was called Calm Mama School. And then I realized people hate school. Yeah. So I changed the name. People like clubs. I was thinking fish swim in a school, you know? I I know. See, I'm still obsessed with the whole water thing. I don't know. So it's a club now. Um, Cool. So that is like, it's $1,000 for the year. You join, you get weekly coaching with me. You get a group, we get a course, all the things. Awesome. Um, Yeah. So it's callmamacoaching.com. Awesome. And we will make sure to put all of your information and where people can find you um, in the show notes. But you guys have got to check her out. She is just a remarkable woman. And we love you as who you are as a professional, but as a mother and just how raw and real and vulnerable you are that you're not a perfect person either. And (laughs) we're not over here claiming to know that we have all the answers, but the more that we can continue to build out our network and use you as a resource and, and come to you, you know, when we're struggling, it's just really cool to hear that there are people like you out there for, for parents, not only mothers, but for parents to start getting the tools for themselves so that they can be, so that they can the be a better version of themselves. Yeah. Enjoy. A better like parent. You, heal, you get to heal. Like the mothering relationship can be such a beautiful opportunity to heal and to yeah. um, use this experience, this challenging experience to grow and become, and then take what you learn and give it to your child, which is yeah. what you want to do as a mom anyway. So yeah, it's such a, Mothering is such a beautiful gift, um, but we have to cultivate the gift and the tools of it. Totally. Right. It doesn't just land in our lap, which would be so convenient. Right. Yeah, Maybe next in the next 50 years. <laughs> right. They'll just deliver it right to One us. One day we have a thought and poof, here it is. Whoa. <laughs> in a beautiful package. Jetson's called Amazon. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Darlin, thank you so much. And everybody else, go out there and make somebody's day, and we will catch you on the next episode. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, We would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do.
And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.